Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church in our chapel for this summer. Uh, As we begin, I sure want to be appreciative to Melinda Clark, who not only just plays music over your talking, but invites us to the worship of God by uh, playful melodies and, and rich tunes. So thank you for that. We begin with a hymn, number 62. It is uh, selected because it echoes one of the lessons that we will hear from an epistle today about God's immortal, invisible, God-only wise. And some of the Christian Orthodox theology has always been there is the creator, and then there is the creation. There is the holy other God, and then there is the, God, the world that God created. And some of you might think it's more new age to think about that God's body is the world and that God is in the world as life. Well, that's not so much new age. It's in the hymn you're about to sing. Look at verse 3, stanza 3. To all life thou givest, both great and small, in all life thou livest, the true life of all. Let's sing praise to God who lives in all of life and stand together and sing.
Will you join me in the litany of invitation and confession? The agendas of the world place many gods before us that deplete us and empty our souls. We want to experience the presence of the true God who surrounds us with love and calls us to love one another. We confess that we have not always lived lovingly this week with our friends, with our family, with ourselves, and with our enemies. We make our confession and ask for the forgiveness of God because of our Sisters and brothers, God meets us in the troubles of life and gives us a fresh start. We are forgiven. Let us lift our voices in praise to God. Again, welcome to the worship of God. It is good to be together as God's people in this place on this day. For those of you who are new to Northside Drive Baptist Church, during the summers we meet in the chapel uh, rather than in the larger sanctuary. It provides us a little more of an intimate space, and the singing is always robust. So welcome to this space, which was the church's original sanctuary, uh, built in 1954. As we begin today, welcome especially those of you who are guests. There, are, there is, at the edge of your order of service, a welcome card. If you would complete that, drop it in the offering plate when it's passed. It'll help me connect name and face uh, with you. And then for any of you who uh, would like to be prayed for this week, it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need. Uh, each week. And so if you would like to place that on the card, drop it in the plate, uh, we'll be glad to do that. Pam uh, Durso, I'm glad you're joining us today for worship. Pam spoke this morning in our fellowship hall, uh, all uh, church uh, school class, uh, on Addie Davis, one of the pioneer women who was ordained, the first Southern Baptist woman who was ordained in the Southern Baptist life. So I'm glad you're here, Pam and that we are all here. The scriptures that we'll hear today, the third will be the gospel lesson, and that's what I'm going to be trying to preach about. Uh, Mary and Martha are the characters with character today that Daniel and I have been doing on the series uh, this summer. Uh, there was Amos, who had the characteristic of courage, or Elijah, who was the truth teller, and Naaman, who was the reluctant, flexible one to be healed, and these others. Well, today, this is a duet of discipleship, so that's what I'll be preaching from. Amy will be reading the second lesson. It's from Colossians, 
and it's a hymn of praise to God and ends with the words that we are to be mature in Christ. My goodness, what a job description. Well, the first lesson we'll hear right now, uh, Dr. Mary Dean will be uh, uh, reading this. It's from a psalm that speaks of God's judgment when people get haughty and arrogant and how they treat one another. But then it ends by saying that those who uh, are, are blessed are those who are planted like a tree and nourished by the goodness of God. So let us open our hearts as well as our ears to hear these words read. Welcome. The psalmist warns about trust in anything but God and urges trust in God's love. A reading from a psalm. Why do you boast, O mighty one, of mischief done against the godly? All day long you are plotting destruction. Your tongue is like a sharp razor. You're, you worker of treachery. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking the truth. You love all words that devour oaths deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch you and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear and will laugh at the evildoer, saying, See the one who would not take refuge in God and trusted in abundant riches and sought refuge in wealth? But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because of what you have done in the presence of the faithful. I will proclaim your name, for it is good. Will you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, we are so grateful that you are our stronghold when we need a safe place and that you warn us when our words practice deceit, speak lies, and may even love harmful deeds. When wealth and strength are achieved by neglecting others, we practice deceit and live falsely. Forgive us when we stray and help us to trust you as our stronghold. Twist us around, much like we might twist a fish hook out of the fish's mouth in order to free it from a painful connection and help it move safely into the healthy stream of life. We lie to ourselves, not just with harmful words, but with our choices. It is so easy to let the anxiety and frustration of preparations for what we want to do lead us astray from finding the better part. Much like Martha, we might miss the pure joy that Mary found while sitting at the feet of Jesus. It is our choice, though, and we pray that we might choose the joy of your truth. What a wonderful truth it is to know that we are made in your image, that we can be one with you, and that God and Jesus and the universal spirit can dwell within us. This means that we can have the capacity to love as you love, to live as Jesus lived, 
and to forgive not only others, but ourselves, as Jesus forgave. That is a powerful blessing. Thank you, Lord. And now we ask your comforting and healing hand to be on those who suffer, both in our families and in the families of the dead in Kyoto, Japan, and Pakistan, and those who are terrorized in Iran, the vast numbers of immigrants, unnamed and unknown, and the 820 million around the world who are hungry each day. May our world, as we know it, temporary in your great scheme of life, become more able to live in the image of your love. Twist us around and remove whatever hurts us so that we may fully do our part to free ourselves from those hurts and that we may have the power to live out your truth. And now, as your present disciples, we pray the prayer that you taught those long ago as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Christ is connected to all of the cosmos. The fullness of God is seen in Christ. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Colossians. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, providing that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. 
I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Here ends the second lesson. Children, if you can come forward at this time, Pastor James has the offering plate, and he'll take your offering if you have one. Come on up. You can physically walk right up here. You can just sit down wherever, right up here. Perfect. It's so good to be with you this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about listening, how important it is to listen when someone's talking. It requires focus. Excuse me. Can you all all hold on just a second? Um, James, can we have a little conference over here? We're in the middle of a children's sermon right oh, now. Oh, I'm, and, so, I'm sorry. And it's very important to dust. Oh, but yeah. Can we do it maybe after? Oh, sure, sir? sure. I, I was distracted. You were distracted? I was, I was. Thank, thank you. Come, I'll, come I'll, be more, I'll be more attentive. Just as I was saying, I, I lost track of what I was saying. I think I was talking about being focused when someone is listening to you. It's very important to focus on... Hold on. Hey guys, can you hold on just a second? I got to talk to my colleague back here, James. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. This is a very holy thing you're doing, singing a hymn. Yeah, yeah. And in church, it's very appropriate, but yeah. that's why we have an order of service. Oh. We do it at specified times. Oh, no, I see. And I'm we sorry. don't do it during the children's sermon unless it's part of the children's sermon. Oh, I'm so, I, I was distracted. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? Why don't you come and sit next to me? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> You can sit right there. Oh, good. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. you know, it's, it's hard to listen, isn't it? Must be. <laughs> I think we struggle with listening. I want to tell you about the gospel lesson today where Jesus talks about listening a little bit. Who knows the story of Martha and Mary in the gospels? Anybody heard that story? Yeah, some of you have heard that and how Jesus went over to their house for dinner Martha and Mary were two sisters, and Martha opened her home to him, the scripture says. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. She really wanted her sister to help out, but her sister was listening to Jesus. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, just like I said, James, James, 
You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, you know what? It is hard when we're listening for God to take away distractions. When you're praying before your meal, you're looking down at your fried chicken tenders and mashed potatoes, and you want to eat it before the prayer, right? And sometimes your parents will say, wait until the prayer. Listen. Bedtime, when you're giving your prayers to God, you may be distracted by something your sister did right before you went to bed or something your brother did. It's important to listen to what God is saying. And to do that, we have to be quiet and we have to focus. And it's okay to dust and to sing hymns too, isn't it, James? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this week, can we practice on listening, listening to others and listening to God by being quiet? Let's pray. God, help us to listen. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, if you are coming downstairs with me, you can follow me.
Jesus is welcomed into the home of Mary and Martha, a reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has let me do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, probably already you have identified with one of the characters in this story, right? And you've picked out that uh, either you are like Mary, who like to listen while others talk, or you are like Martha, who like to talk while others listen. Perhaps you are like uh, Martha, give me a recipe and I'm ready to cook. Or you're like Mary, give me something to read, especially like a good book. Either one or the other, we could probably raise hands, are you more like Mary you more like Martha, and whichever you raise your hand, I'll say, well, probably you have a sibling that's the other. Or either, if you don't have a sibling that's the other, the person that is your partner is the other. And that evokes many a conversation in the house, does it not? We tend to think these days in dyads, right? Either or this or that. Part of that's the political uh, framework that uh, informs all of us these days. Um, from, from where I stand, uh, the politics of the days is not so much causative of our dyad thinking as it is symptomatic. It reveals what already is for the good and for the bad. This story before us today evokes a lot of ahas, at least it did for me. So here is the thesis of the sermon that for me moves beyond the dyad, which are you, this or that, one or the other. To take that line from the second lesson we heard, to be mature in Christ is to learn to deal with your sister, though you may not be naturally wired to. That's it. Let's see if we can get there. Remember how the story starts. Jesus is on the way somewhere. He's, isn't he always on the way somewhere? He's going from here to there. He's on the way, and he comes to a certain village, unnamed. But in the certain village, uh, Martha invites him to come home for supper to her house. And we talked about that in the Wednesday study group. Was it Martha's house? That's pretty interesting. Was it Martha and Mary jointly owned in this house? Either way, that is its own sort of uh, step beyond the norms of that first century uh, Greco-Roman time. But they invite, Martha invites him there. 
Now, some of you are saying, well, what about Lazarus, right? Because Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha, but Lazarus is not mentioned in Luke's gospel. You are thinking of John's gospel. That's right. When Lazarus dies and Mary and Martha send to get Jesus to come and heal him, and then it's too late and Jesus has to raise him from the dead. So we think about Lazarus, but he's not mentioned in the text at all. So the timing's a little off, the town is a little off, but I always think of the gospel writers sort of as um, Picasso. You know, there's going to be a nose and there's going to be an ear, but it may not be in the place you expect it. All of these are cubists that uh, arrange the story to fit the purpose that they are trying to share. So Jesus goes to Martha's house, Mary's there, Martha, the host, goes into the kitchen to prepare a meal. That wouldn't have been unusual. But Mary, sister, sits down in front of Jesus to listen. Now, that's unusual. It would have been, again, against the mores of the first century for a woman to be sitting at the feet of a rabbi, who would always be male, and receive instruction uh, among some Southern Baptists, it is still that way, I guess. You're not laughing very much today. I just wanted to make note of that. I'm feeling more insecure the, the further I go. And, uh, and, and I want you to help me manage my insecurity. <laughs> uh, but I guess I'll talk to you about therapy uh, after that, Mary. And so Mary, the other Mary in the text, Mary's sitting there uh, listening. She is a disciple she is learning from Jesus' leadership. Now, what happens next is up to our imagination. She shows back up in the text, giving Jesus a lecture later. But our imaginations run free to imagine what happened on the way to that lecture. Don't you imagine there was a lot of commotion going on in the kitchen with Martha in there, with the pots and the pans clanging and banging. Don't you know that there were some closet or, or cabinet doors slammed shut, drawers thrown back into the cabinet, a lot of sort of um, uh, murmuring that crescendos and then decrescendos. Like, I don't know, she, just like she did when mother was alive. You know, I was in here and, there. and then she would go sit with father. I was always in the kitchen to do this. At least she could have come in and helped me, but no, she's out there talking to Jesus. There's all this mum, uh, murmuring going on. Now, uh, I, I grew the house I grew up in with my mother and father, my father was often the cook. He was a short order cook when he was... Uh, young man. So he just continued it. He, he cooked a lot. And I don't think I ever heard or watched him place a pot on the stove. I saw him drop it. I never saw him just gently put a skillet over to the side. I saw him just slide it. Somehow cooking was a full contact sport for my father. And whenever Uncle Bill, whom you know, when Uncle Bill would come home to Louisiana to visit, and there'd be all this commotion in the kitchen, along with, where's the salt and the pepper? The salt and the pepper was here last week, and now I can't... Have you moved the flour? Where is the flour? I can't find that. So along with the pots and the pans and all the conversation, I would hear Uncle Bill always say, 
Let the symphony begin. I think that's why I enjoy Waffle House so much. Because the commotion and the conversation kind of helps season the food. <laughs> it beats it into submission, I think. So, all of this is going on. And they're there with their book, and hearing them baking, and going to burn. All of us would guess, as is with our families, this wasn't the first time this disagreement happened in the Martha Mary household. Nor was it the last time, I bet. It's like we see a still picture in the full-length movie of their life. We get that. And so, after all of this buildup of anger, frustration, anxiety, Martha just can't take it anymore. Maybe they uh, smelled smoke. And as was pointed out the Wednesday study group, it wasn't coming from the oven. It was coming out of Martha's ears... When she comes in, and, uh, and the group said it had to be arms akimbo. And I don't know if akimbo is in the Greek New Testament or not. Steve Sheely's not here. I'll ask him. But she comes in, I'm sure, with arms akimbo and then points her finger directly at Jesus and says, Don't you care that my sister has left me in the kitchen to do all the preparation alone? then go in there, then tell her to go help me. That's what she says. Now, that would be the new maneuver in the old movie. They have involved Jesus in the argument. It's not a very hospitable thing to involve the guest in the fight that's going on among the homeowners, though we've all done it, (laughs) and though we've all been a part of it. So Jesus is there uh, teaching uh, Mary. And I guess he's doing, you know, talking about Jesus stuff, you know, kind of going over the Beatitudes again, maybe. You know, blessed are the the cheesemakers, for they shall be called. No, no, that's blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. Jesus is being Jesus. Mary is sitting at his feet, and she's listening. Now, my hunch is she was sitting kind of like some of us were on July the 20th, 1969, watching a grainy television, at least for our household, of when Neil Armstrong stepped onto the moon, right? I remember sitting there awestruck, eyes big, mouth open, seeing those ghostly pictures of them wandering around in front because the, 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 uh, the frequency broadcast could not, they didn't have high def back then. So those ghostly figures moving around, and I sat there in awe. My hunch is that was something of how Mary sat before Jesus, drinking in every word, listening to everything that was being said. But Martha's is a different story. She comes in, she has had enough, she points her finger at Jesus and says, Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the preparation? Then tell her to go in there and help me. Now, what's going on here? What I think, at least one of the things that's going on here, is probably the most human of all experiences, which is what human beings do when we get anxious. 
when we get anxious, and that looks like frustration, uh, anger, sometimes withdrawal, when there is anxiety between two people or one person and a group, there's always something that we do. And what is it? Do what? Create a triangle. That, thank you very much, Liz. <laughs> and you're not going to be disclosing of what, all, what we do a lot, I, I hope. So, uh, but that's right. When you get anxious about, you know, I say, you're this way. No, I'm not. You're this way. No, I'm not. Then eventually I'm going to say, well, I've talked to a lot of people and they think you're that way too. And suddenly I'm less anxious and you're more anxious and plus whatever all these people are, are more anxious too. But my anxiety goes down. Ha, there it is. In fact, I'm so good at it, and you're so good at it, we'll even triangle in the dead. If they're not in the room, I'll go, you're that way, no I'm not. You're that way, no I'm not. Your mother told me that you were that way. My mother, don't bring my mother into this. Well, it's too late. Mother's already in this. You see how that works? And suddenly, I feel less anxious, and you feel more anxious. Now, human beings have been doing this for about 50,000 years, I figure. So we are still kind of new at it, the new species on the planet. I don't think it's very healthy. I don't think it's mature, but I think it is what we do. It is not what Martha, I don't think, would, would have wanted to do, but it's what she did when her anxiety got so high. She brings the guest into the triangle. She asks him to take sides. Would you, if, would you tell my sister to get in that kitchen and help me? I'm sure that went over well with Jesus. But, but there was a word I forgot to mention. Uh, that's the word that Martha says on the way to tell my sister to get in. He says, you know, uh, uh, don't you think she ought to be in there? Then tell her. It, it's, it's like she heard Jesus give an answer. Don't you think that she ought to be helping me? Well, then tell her to get in. It doesn't say that Jesus said anything. I mean, she may have heard it, but he didn't say it. It reminds me of Chaplain B.F. Bennett that I used to work with at Baylor Hospital in Dallas. I'd come down the hall. He, he walked mostly with his eyes closed, like that. And uh, I'd approach him, and he would say, I'm fine, just fine. Now, I think he heard me ask, Good morning, Chaplain Bennett, how are you? But I didn't say that. He heard it, but it didn't get said. Maybe that's the way it was for... Uh, Mary, Jesus didn't say a thing at that point, but he, she hears him, and Martha says, well, then tell her to get in there. There's something else I want to highlight. Remember how she starts the words? Do you not care? Now, you may have, over, you may have missed that, you mere mortal lay people. Missed that. But I bet every preacher in the congregation caught it. Do you not care that right, that arrow, right in the heart, saying to Jesus, do you not care? Now, just a little uh, a hint. I, I don't want anybody to take me up on this, but if you, if you want to manipulate a minister, 
If you want to manipulate a minister, start with that line and accuse her or him of not caring. It, it is like, it is, it, you know, we'll do anything. You know, don't, oh, it just pains me so to be accused. I don't care. You think I may not care? Uh, Daniel may not be as easily manipulated as I am about this. But uh, it, it, most of us ministers carry around so much shame and guilt. You know, all you have to do is just a little bit of a pinprick and ah, it just comes gushing out. Well, do you not care, said Martha to Jesus, that my sister is not helping me? Then tell her to get into the kitchen and help me. Wow. Well, she ups the ante, and then Jesus responds. He says, Martha, Martha. Now, for those of you who have two names, you know, like Billy Bob or Myrtle Edry, or whatever your names are, did your parents ever call both of your names? And what did that mean when they did? That meant you were in trouble, right? James Errol, that's my middle name, like Errol Flynn. James Errol, you get in this room right now and clean it. That meant I was in trouble. Now, when my first name was called twice in a row, James, James, it just meant that I was all mixed up. James, James, what will become of you? But he, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. I tell you now, it's one thing to, to, to be worried and distracted. It's a whole other thing for Jesus to know that about you and name it, you know. Kind of looked up the, the DSM-5. Let's see, you, Martha here, worried and distracted, it says right here. Worried and distracted. There are many things to choose, but Mary, says Jesus, has chose the better part. Now note for this later, Jesus did not say that Mary is the better part. Big difference. Mary has chosen the better part. And then the story ends. And I am not satisfied. I mean, what do I do with that? What do you do with that? What handle do you reach for in this story from the Bible to go out and say, well, I want to put that into my life this week? Well, good luck with that. Here are some suggestions. One is, pray that word distracted. You are worried and distracted. Does that cover anybody else in the sanctuary? Yeah. Worried and distracted. You know, our distractions do serve a purpose. We hear that word a lot in the news these days, don't we? Uh, distracted. Uh, Daniel mentioned on Wednesday that we are part of the culture of busy. Our busyness is like a badge of honor. You say to somebody, how you doing? And they go, oh man, I'm busy, crazy busy. It's we're proud of that. Look how busy I am. If, you, if someone said... You know, I've been praying the serenity prayer, and it works. <laughs> They're my former friend. I don't want anybody like that. I want someone as busy and as overwhelmed and as distracted as I. It's like, well, no, I've changed the things that I can change, and I've not worried about the things I can't change, and God's given me the wisdom to know the difference. That's a story. Whoa. Busyness and distraction is a badge of honor. 
Partially, we use it, I think, because as a way of justifying ourselves, I'm already too busy, and so we use our frantic calendars to help us say no. You might want to pray that distracted piece this week. A second idea, maybe take this text affirming the contemplative in life, but also that it balances with concerned action. Did you notice that right before this story, what was the gospel lesson that we heard last week? Oh, yeah, it was the Good Samaritan. The one that didn't just ride the donkey and go, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, con- I'm a contemplative. I don't have time to help you who's bruised and broken in the ditch. No, that was someone who took concerned action. This is a text that seems to affirm the contemplative life. Which is the better? Well, Jesus in this story affirms the listening. But taken together, both are true. In Luke 4, earlier in this chapter, Jesus says, How shall we live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God? This is part of the story of how she, Mary, is being uh, heard. So this doesn't need to be a sermon on Martha bashing those that are out there doing good. It needs to be taken in parallel, both contemplative and also concerned action. We're not going to be unfair to Martha. Matter of fact, I, I may have been, but the, the, the Wednesday morning study group kind of beat it out of me. I mean, those of you who know what, you're, what I'm talking about, uh, their arms were akimbo, saying Jesus was unfair to Martha. Jesus should not have affirmed Mary in her choice in this, in his, this way. In other words, they said, uh, we would have thought of a lot more of Jesus if he hadn't said this. Hmm. Come to think of it, as I look back over church history, uh, the last 2,000 years would not have existed if it weren't for Martha's. People that say, let me help out. People that say, let me build uh, that Habitat house and organize it. Collections for kids of things that we take. Tolliver County that we plan and do. The deacon's ministry where we have all women except one man this year. Without Martha's, the church would have fallen apart a long time ago. I was delighted to read an email that we in the missions community of the church received this week from Nancy Hall. Nancy Hall was saying on this very day, this Sunday, that we have been taking this collection, we saw it downstairs in Fellowship Hall, for those who will be released from the Stewart Detention Center that were for uh, immigrants that are being held in detention in Lumpkin, Georgia, and after they are released, having nothing, we are going to provide through the refugio ministry, a Christian ministry there, supplies that they need for hygiene and giving along. Also for Georgia's prison libraries that are in a sad state of affairs. We're collecting books to give there too. Nancy said, quote, thanks for your interest in missions and helping Northside Dry Baptist Church live its vision of being an engaged and involved faith community. Close quote. Thank you, Nancy. Don't you all agree with that? I mean, isn't that calling us to our better angels? 
and our best selves, balancing the contemplative and the taking action. And the third thing is, and this is where I started the thesis statement, the biggest deal was they were sisters. The issue is not that they were different. It's that they were daughters of the same mother. They had to learn to get along with each other even though they may not have been naturally wired to. Get that? Craig Barnes, who's the president of Princeton, Princeton Seminary, said he had twin aunts named Mary and Martha. He said they were at each other all the time. But he said their love, they loved each other so intensely, they argued constantly. They were at each other because they had learned that they needed each other. To be yourself in Christ means to constantly deal with your sister, even though you are not naturally wired to do so. You can make the jump of application, right? And so the text in our imagination ends. The period that I would put on it is, I, I thought about if there were another verse, what would it say? I use my imagination. That's an idea. That's an idea, as you're having right now. The sixth one is what I settled on. What if? Martha has said that to Jesus. Jesus says that to Martha, that Mary has chosen the better part. And then Martha goes, but, 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 um, can I have a seat and listen as well? And then Mary says, I think the soup's ready. May I serve it? Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is also given. The song that we sing today is a gospel song about tell me the story of Jesus. And the stories of Jesus always are provocative and invite and ask and beckon us to be our best selves. It was written by Fanny Crosby, one of the premier gospel songwriters who wrote thousands of gospel songs, even though she was blind, she saw much clearer than most. We'll be singing two stanzas along with this refrain. Let's stand together and sing.
Well, each time we gather, we bring celebrations and announcements and concerns. I'm going to bring a few of those to you this morning. Uh, many of these have already been previewed by James in his sermon, but uh, directly after the service, we're going to be packing the hygiene kits for our Ayudamos uh, missionary effort, and that'll be in the fellowship hall directly below us. If you can help for a few minutes to help us go faster, just to sort items for the hygiene kits that will go to those released uh, from the detention center in Lumpkin, Georgia, directly after the service. August 3rd is our Habitat for Humanity build. That's coming up, folks. That's on a Saturday. Many of you have signed up to volunteer uh, to swing a hammer, uh, a buzzsaw, I think. Is that involved, Dave? I think that was there last year. And there'll be other volunteer opportunities. It's a great time. Come. Uh, early in the morning uh, on August 3rd and sign up at the sign-up sheet in the narthex and we'll direct you to a site online as well. Um, We have many prayer concerns uh, of people who are recovering, people who are mourning, many uh, concerns that you bring this morning. So we pray for you and we pause for a moment just to lift them up to God. Oh, God, hear our prayers this morning. And may they be enriched by the time we're about to have with Valerie Waters, who will bring us our offertory music. Valerie, it's always a great pleasure to worship with you in music. Come.
all-loving God, we give thanks for your peace that is like a river in our souls and our hearts. And we're glad we're reminded of it. We sure need it in this old world. Bless us as we bring tithes and offerings that are part of your realm of service. Bless us and help us and heal us and hold us as we build our lives on the foundation of Christ. In Christ's name, amen.
And remember, following the service, if you have just a few moments, our children and others from the missions community in the church will be packing care packages for those that will be uh, delivered to persons in Lumpkin, Georgia. And so, as we prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you. May the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you. And the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.